Without a resurrection, we don't have a gospel. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 14. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Do you see that? Verse 17. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. Verse 18. Then they also which are falling asleep in Christ have perished. Continue. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. The resurrection means so much to us. The glory of Christianity is not on the cross. As beautiful as we, we speak we pray, we sing about the cross and the death of Jesus. The glory of Christianity is not on the cross. The glory of Christianity is the resurrection. That Jesus rose from the grave. That was the, one of the greatest miracles ever. The Bible says which power that he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Because of the mighty working of his power. The mighty working of his power. Praise God. And today is one of the greatest days to ever celebrate if you're a Christian. If you're born again, today is one of the greatest days. Today is one of the days like you shouldn't fast. <laughs> the days you must get food, go out with somebody, say like, uh, you get a food, you tear one, he's alive. <laughs> yeah. Today is pizza, must cry, something must cry. And if you don't have the money for it, don't worry. No pressure at all. You can do what? Eat your Gary and, and say, Father, thank you that you are alive. Amen. It's such a beautiful thing to, to experience Jesus in his fullness. It's a, a powerful thing. It's powerful that Jesus is alive. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Jesus is alive. Oof. And I said um, last week, so let me correct that small theological mistake, that Jesus did not die on Friday. So Good Friday was not the day Jesus died. I corrected it last week. But it's not so, so much of a, an importance. It doesn't affect our faith in any way because he died someday. So if we use Friday, because there's some people, they, they don't know the day they were born. So they pick any day and say, that's my birthday. You know that? Yeah, so does it stop it from being their birthday? No, it doesn't stop it from it being their birthday. They're still celebrating something. And the most important thing is they are celebrating life. That's what important. Okay, let me just correct that. Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. I'll help you to understand it. Then we can move on from there. Today I'll be doing a little expose on Jesus. And Jesus be the Messiah. We had a very interesting time in the first service. 
And I'm sure most of your doubts on Jesus have been cleared. Yeah. All right, verse 40, 40. For as Jonas was, Jonah, Greek says Jonas, and uh, Hebrew says Jonah. The same way the Hebrew says Yeshua, or uh, Yeshua, and the Greek says Joshua. Okay, so don't let it confuse you, Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So, in, in, in uh, scriptural in- interpretation, we call this parallelism. You are using a scenario to explain the other. So, you have to, it has to be accurate. If you're trying to use a scenario to explain the other, it has to be accurate. So, if this was Jonah's case, you would have to see its similarity in Jesus' case. So, Jesus Christ is saying, he said, So, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. This is Jesus speaking, and he's comparing what happened with Jonah with his. So, if it's going to be three days and three nights, it cannot be that Jesus died on Friday. Because if Jesus dies on Friday, it makes it two days, one, uh, two, one day and two nights. That's Friday night. Because, um, and I explained to them, um, Jesus died around 3 o'clock. Reason is, the trial and everything lasted through the, the day. And by 9 a.m., they had started beating him. Yeah. He was arrested the night before, okay, from Garden of Gethsemane to the arrest and all that. By 9 a.m., they started beating him, all the things, the trial, everything was going on during the day, and he was crucified. Why am I saying he died by 3 p.m.? Because they don't carry the death of a prisoner into the Sabbath. So when they come around 3 and the person is not dead, they break his bones. And I asked some medical students in the first service that, what happens when your bones are broken like that from your joints? And they said, um, it will worry your arteries and you don't get air and all that. So you die out of that. Now, so they will break the bones. So the other prisoners, their bones were broken. When they came to Jesus, he was already dead. So they didn't break his bones. Now, it was prophesied by David that none of his bones were broken. So his bones didn't have to be broken. So that uh, the, the soldier was trying to see if he was really dead. So he put a spear into his side. Water and blood came out to show that, yes, truly, his heart had ruptured. So he was dead. So by 3 p.m., he was dead. Because in Jewish calendar or in Jewish understanding, now, sometimes we try to understand the Bible with our queer mindset. <laughs> Do you understand? We, we think they had the same culture as us. No, they didn't have a different culture. So for us to understand um, exactly what was going on at the time, we will need to understand the Jewish culture. So go to Genesis chapter 1, um, verse 8. Genesis chapter 1, verse 8, yeah. So I'll explain to you how they do the accounting. It's different from ours. It says, and God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. They say morning and evening, like we say it. We say morning and evening is a, is a day. Okay, they say evening and morning. So, in the Jewish counting or, or arrangement, when they start counting a day, 
For example, today being Sunday, once it's 4 p.m., they have entered Monday. Okay, so that the evening and the morning will be the next day. It is not morning and evening. Okay, so 4 p.m., by 4 p.m., the next day was about to start. So they have to make sure all the prisoners are dead before 4. They don't end, like um, Jews don't end exactly, let me use this one to also explain. Jews don't end exactly, like let's say, if we say we, are, we must end something at 4, they will not end it at 4, they will end it at 3, so that they can give themselves one hour allowance to prepare for the next day. So, usually during the Passover, when there's a, any celebration or anything, they have to end it by 3. So by 3, they will blow the shofar or the trumpet, and everybody, you have to end your Passover. Everybody should start preparing for the next day. So by the time it's 4 p.m., everybody says, oh, we have entered the next day. So the Jews have a different, different way of thinking. Now, go back to um, Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. So if we say three days and three nights, we would have to calculate it like this. Wednesday, because the Bible doesn't tell us the day he was crucified. The Bible says that it was a day before the Sabbath. So it doesn't tell us the day, but it told us the day that he arose, which was the first day of the week, which is Sunday morning. I think last week I talked about the Sabbath being a Saturday. And I told you the reason why we worship on Sunday is not because Sunday is the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day, in essence, actually is Saturday. But we don't observe a day as a Sabbath. We, we observe the Sabbath as the day of Christ. But let me explain the early church, how they met. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1. This is how the early church met. They didn't meet on Saturday. They met on Sunday. Now, Jesus said something. He said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Okay? So, the Sabbath is characterized by the Lord. That is all. So, if, for example, there are some churches that meet on Fridays. Why? Because when you go to countries like Dubai and some other countries, you will not get the liberty to meet on Sunday. Because they already have Friday as a day they don't um, go to work on it. So, the Christians also have to put their worship on Friday. Doesn't mean God will not appear there because of that. No. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. He said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. So, when the Lord appears, there can be a Sabbath. So he says, now concerning the collection for the saints or the gathering for the saints, I'm giving order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Go ahead. Go ahead. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God had prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come. So the, uh, the, the church, the early church met on uh, Sunday mornings for, you know, to give their collections and to give their offerings and all those things. They gathered at that time on the first day of the week. Okay, so we don't observe, so it's, it's actually a useless argument because we don't observe a day as a Sabbath. I explained that last week. He said we have entered into his rest. So we have entered into the day of Christ. So the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, does not end for us as a day. Every day is a Sabbath for us now. Okay. So three days and three nights will have to be Wednesday evening, which is four, which is the Thursday. To Thursday, Friday, Friday to Saturday, then uh, Friday to Saturday. So Wednesday to Thursday. So when you calculate it, it becomes exactly three days and three nights. And on the first day of the week, which is Sunday morning, Jesus rose from the dead. But it does not destroy any uh, ecclesial anything. I mean, Jesus still died. The most important part is that we remember that he died. Amen. All right. Now, I, didn't exp- I was doing an expose on Jesus Christ and... I always say that I'm very excited when I have the opportunity to talk about Jesus. 
And I'm doing this to strengthen your conviction so that nobody comes to you to come and tell you one day that this Jesus thing is a myth. You see, your convictions are so important, what you believe and what you stand on. I like to lead intelligent people. Okay? When, when, when you appear before anybody, nobody should be able to bamboozle you with, with Bible. Okay? Because some people twist the scriptures. How many of you know that? People twist the scriptures. They twist the scriptures and they tell you, this or that, this or that. But when I raise people and I teach people, I try to make them masters of the, of the word. If you listen to me a year or two, you should be a Bible scholar. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah, you should be a Bible scholar. So, if, if you listen to me one year, two years, you should be a Bible scholar, and somebody can still bamboozle you with Bible, then you don't listen. When you come to church, you just clap and you dance. Oh, clap your hands. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> Amen. It's so important. Now, why is it important to be a, a, a student of the Word? So that your faith is standing on the Word. Your faith is not standing in a man. There are times that issues will come up and you won't have pastor to call. That you would have to stand on the word. You have to stand on what you know. You see, and I always say, I said, people who are brought up in the word of God become, you know, they become unmovable, unshakable. That is the only, listen now, that is the only foundation that Jesus Christ said was sure. He said that he was founded on a rock. He said that house was built on a rock. So, the knowledge of the word is too, too important. Having your faith standing on the word. Now, first of all, you have to understand that God did not call us. We were Gentiles. We were not part of the commonwealth of Israel. We were not part. Those days, if a man was not an, a Jew and he wanted to be part of the Jews, he has to go and circumcise and be part and follow their laws. And the person is called a proselyte. So, the people, the, you now join the Jews as a proselyte. How were we engrafted? We engrafted through Jesus. Because without Jesus, we will not be part. Because they were giving laws, and they had a covenant with God. But we were not giving any laws, and we were just, you know, in, in God's mind, there are only two nations. Jews and Gentiles. So, Ghanaian Gentile, Nigerian Gentile. All are Gentile. And the Gentiles are the unclean. Doesn't matter how you bath, they say you're unclean. You understand? That's what Jesus Christ said to the Samaritan woman. He said, We don't give what is holy to dogs. They call the Gentiles the, the dogs. Amen. We're not part. We're not part of, of God's commonwealth. We're not part of what God was doing. God only had a covenant with the Jews, the Israelites. Someone asked a question. You know what? Um, today, I would like to be interrupted with questions. You can interrupt with a question if you have. And not be scared to ask it. But it must be within what we are teaching. So, we, have no, we had no um, dealing with God. God only had dealing with his people who were Jews. He called Abraham. Then started a nation through Abraham. Abraham gave birth to Isaac, and Isaac gave birth to Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, and through the 12 sons, he had the, the, the 12 tribes of Israel. Then they went to Egypt, you know, all that, all that was going on. Now listen, 
when we want to put our feet on something to say that there was a Christ. Now, first of all, I think I mentioned that Super Sunday. I said, it is common sense. Common sense. It's not even the Bible. Common sense. If anybody says that the story of Jesus is a myth, common sense. To show you that it's not a myth. Common sense. It's not Bible. You don't need Bible to know that. Common sense. Don't we study Mansa Musa in school? Which of you was there? No, no, no. I want to see who was there. Mansa Musa. Okay. Mansa Musa is too far. I go call him. I go call him. Who was there? John was there. Now, not that we believe it. It's not a question of faith. It's history. Simple. It was documented. It's history. It has nothing to do with belief. So, wh- whether Jesus was there or not, has nothing. it's not faith. It's belief. It, it, uh, it's not even belief. It's not faith. It's not, it's not Bible. It's history. It's not like, ah, but the history of... No. No. Apart from Jesus being documented in the four Gospels, there are other books. There are other history materials like the history material of Tacitus, then the history material of Pilate. When you go to, you know, among the, all the governors of, 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 of the Roman Empire, those empires, there's Pilate there. And in Pilate's reign, there was a, there was a record that he sentenced a man called Jesus to death. There was a record. So whether Jesus, if you say we should argue about whether he rose from the dead, fine. Then now we are coming to a question of faith. But whether he was there or not, that one is not, it's not arguable. They won't say, if he says a myth, it means common sense. Praise God. Okay, so there's actually historical evidence that, yes, there was a man like that. But some say he was a prophet. Some say he was this, some say he was that. But I always say this. I said something at first. The, the knowledge of Jesus... Is actually gotten in fourfold. First of all, we know Jesus historically. We write that down. We know Jesus historically. And how do we know him historically? Through the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. We get to understand the history. We know him historically. We get to understand the history of Jesus. We get to understand his genealogy. Where he came from. And Adam, Mark started, he said, Adam begat this, you know. And uh, Matthew started, Abraham began this. So you see, he's talking about the history of Jesus Christ. That he was a carpenter, he was a Nazareth, he was born in a manger. That history of Jesus. Then, through the book of Acts, we get to know about Jesus theologically. Okay? Through the exposés, that's a mandate. Like Stephen did an expose on Jesus. Peter did an expose on Jesus. Peter did about two or three exposés on Jesus. Paul also said he met Jesus Christ. So, theologically, we get to understand Jesus through the book of Acts. But the epistles like Ephesians, Philippians, Romans, those books don't reveal Christ as a person. They reveal us, the church. Okay? That one talks about us, that we are seated in Christ with Christ in heavenly places. That one talks about us, that Christ has made unto us wisdom and sanctification and righteousness. That one speaks about us. It doesn't reveal Christ as a person. It reveals us in Christ as his body. Okay, so that one will not be part. But the book of Revelation reveals Jesus eschatologically. Don't be afraid of that word. 
Eschatology means the study of the end time. So we get to understand Jesus eschatologically. So we get to know him as. as uh, um. <laughs> we get to understand him eschatologically. <laughs> it's, not, it's not easy. <laughs> uh, nobody's not there again. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> that man's laughter though. <laughs> Alright, so we get to understand him eschatologically. Amen. So these three. But which one should our feet be on? Historically, no. Theologically, no. Eschatologically, no. Our feet should be standing on our knowledge of Jesus prophetically. Go to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Verse 10. Look at it. Verse 10. It says, And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See, thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant. It's between John and an angel, okay? And of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. He said, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. How do we know that Jesus is the Messiah? And what are the indicators? There's a certain game, man. Eh? A certain game, they'll say, look for Walls Weirdo. How many of you have played that game before? Walls Weirdo. Oh. Alright, there's a certain game. They'll say, look for Wells Weirdo. And there'll be a lot of people, and he's one skinny guy among them. Now, they say, look for Wells Weirdo. And you'll be looking for... What's it? The thing is that, if you don't know, you don't, have a, like, you don't know who Wells Weirdo is, you'll play that game and you'll never find Wells Weirdo. Because it will make no sense. Because they're trying to look for somebody. You would have to have a picture of him before you can look for him. Alright? If you have somehow knowledge of him, you might find, but, you know, you might make more mistakes. But when you know what he looks like, you can find him. All right. So the same, we're going to use the world's weirdo principle. The same with Jesus. We will need to discover, because the Jews actually are still waiting for a Messiah. Because God promised them a Messiah. And through prophecy, okay, through prophecy, they were, they were looking for the Messiah. So today, they still pray. When you go to Jerusalem today, they will go to the Wailing Wall. There's a place called the Wailing Wall. How many of you see that picture? Tornado was there. He was praying there. Before he won the election. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He went to Wailing War. He had the hat on it. He said, that Wailing War has carried the prayers of the Jews for years. Okay? Till today, they will still be praying, Lord, send us Messiah. Lord, send us Messiah. Lord, send us Messiah. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Send us Messiah. So, till today, they are still praying for Messiah to come. Why? Because God said through the prophets that there will be a Messiah. Now, go to 2 Peter chapter 1. Chapter 1. I'll start from verse 17. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. Okay, let's go from verse 16. So we can get the context. He said, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. Mm. What is he saying? He said, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He said, 
We have not followed. This is not a made-up story. He said, but we saw his majesty. What majesty is talking about? The Mount of Transfiguration. Where he transfigured before their face. And they saw him shining. And they heard a voice from heaven. Peter is saying that we saw it. Verse 17. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hmm. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. This is one of the greatest visions to ever have come to any man. So Peter is saying, should we put our faith and trust and hope and confidence in this vision? He said no. Verse 19. He said, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. There is a more sure word of prophecy than the vision we saw. Peter is saying. Okay. Now, go to verse 21. What's the more sure of prophecy? He said, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will. Okay, go to verse 20. He said, knowing this first. That no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. So what, what's the most sure word of prophecy? The scripture. The prophecy of scripture. He's saying that if there's anything that you can lean on, anything that you can put your faith in, it is not in somebody has seen something about you, or somebody says, you know some people believe these things, like someone said, I went to heaven, and I saw this, and I went to hell, and I saw that. I saw pastors in hell, and I saw pastors in heaven. No matter the vision you see, I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't mind you. God showed you. That's nothing to do with me. For me and you, for what we should believe together, we have a common document. What you saw, I don't know how many lies you have put in it. Because I'm not going to lie. Say, hey, let's all be careful. Oh, I went to hell and I saw many pastors. And all of it, and then people too will be sharing it on WhatsApp. So, you know, I, I mean to hear some. I saw a vision and I went to hell. All of you be careful. All of you be careful. Oh, be careful. Then we read it and we are trembling because we don't understand the scriptures. Because we don't understand the scriptures. Look, Jesus said something. He said, you err. He said, because you know not the scriptures. He didn't say you err because you have not seen a vision. He said, you make mistakes. He said, because you know not the scriptures. He said, that's why you make mistakes. He said, you err because you know not the scriptures. Praise God. So, so we have a more sure word of prophecy. A more sure word of prophecy. So there's something prophetic about the scriptures. And he said the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That means the only way we'll be able to ascertain the certainty of the Messiah. And that Jesus is the Christ. Is through the prophecy of scripture. Does it align does it align? I told you before, I said, the Bible is a picture album. And everything speaks of the Christ. Everything speaks of the Christ. I, I explained to them in the first service. I said, look at the story of Joseph. It's a, a direct typology of the Christ. He was killed by, uh, he was sold by his brothers. His own brothers. And there was a typology of his death. They had to kill an animal and put it in his cloth. The coat of many colors. Then they put him in a pit. Then a typology of the resurrection. He went to Egypt. And when he went to Egypt, he, he took salvation 
or his gifts away from Israel into Egypt. The same with us. Then later, Israel went to him. The Bible speaks about the 144,000 Jews that in the last days who will go back to Jesus. Because now, many of them hate Jesus. When you go to Israel and you pick, I'm just giving you a point, when you go to Israel and you pick a taxi, no, don't dare ever try to mention Jesus. The taxi driver, he will alight you there. They don't want to hear. They don't want to hear Yeshua. They don't want to hear. They say it's an imposter. And that Messiah has not come. And I explained to them in the first service that the things that they were expecting of the Messiah. They were expecting the Messiah to come and deliver them from the Romans. Because that time they were under the Roman you know, Empire. And till today they are fighting wars. So the, 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 the wars they are fighting like to, from till today, the Jews... Once, whether you're a lady or you're a guy, once you finish secondary school, you have to enroll into the army. Yeah. Because they are taught to, to know that the whole world hates us and they want to destroy us, so we must learn to fight. So, America right now is fulfilling a, a, a particular kind of prophecy by helping Israel. Let me tell you, it will be impossible with what has happened to Israel. It will be impossible for them to destroy Israel. It's not possible. Because is, Jerusalem was plowed. Now, they suffered, the, the Israelites suffered two main annihilations. The first one was the 12 tribes of Israel who were captured at, in Babylon. Now, Jerusalem and Judah were captured differently. Then, the other 12 tribes, the other 10 tribes were also um, captured differently. Now, so when you read Psalm 126, it says, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, were like them that dream. That one is referring to the, the captivity that um, Judah and Benjamin went through. For the other 10 tribes, their captivity was not turned. So there are Jews scattered. There are people who are Jews who don't know they are Jews. The tribes of Dan, Gad, there's, a, there's an ancient um, history that states that um, there are some Israelites who went to Nigeria and that Igbos are actually from... Oh yeah, it's actually... Oh, you're, you're not proper Igbo. Do you know it's actually their history? They studied in history that they are from Israel. Yeah, you are aware. They studied in history that they are from Israel. Because when there was, yeah, I think there's also something about Ghana with that. Yeah? From where? From Ile from Nigeria. Okay, so they did. <laughs> okay. So when you study such people, when you study such people, and it could be true concerning the Ghans. It could be true because of the, the nature of the people. It is unliving. It is unliving. Another day. Alright, so the other, the other ten tribes, their captivity was not turned. But for Judah and Benjamin, their captivity was turned. So they returned back when their captivity was turned. And they became, they became Jews. Those were the people from Judah and Benjamin, they were called Jews. The others were altogether Israelites. 
See, the rest spread into different nations. Now, what about the uh, Judah Benjamin? Jesus Christ came from Judah. And so he was part of the Judah Benjamin people. Who were, so they came back and they were, they were under the Romans. So all in their mind, they were expecting that Messiah will come. They were expecting Messiah will come. When Messiah comes, he's going to take them away from the, from the captivity that the Romans have put them in. So they had a political mindset about the Messiah. But what did Jesus come to do? He didn't come to fulfill their uh, political agenda. He came to fulfill a prophetic agenda. There was a big difference. God was looking at a bigger picture. For the Jews, they want God to just be for them. But God was looking at a bigger picture where the whole world will come. Because he said to Isaiah, he said, Gentiles shall come to your light. So they forgot what they are supposed to do. Even Peter, listen now, even Peter, after Jesus had died, and they started Christianity. They, they, they started Christianity and they only were in Jerusalem. They didn't want to go anywhere. And they were just enjoying themselves in Christianity. But God was expecting that they would go out with the message. Because he said, you shall be witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the uttermost part of the earth. But Peter and James, they formed Christian council in Jerusalem. In the book of Acts... There was a time, you know, as they were forming a Christian council, you know, when church is growing like that and people are not winning souls, it is only fighting they'll be fighting in the church. Yeah. Because no soul winner thinks about... I remember some years I was, a, I, was a, I was a fellowship leader. I was a leader. So I had some, some very key people, you know. I traveled one day and I had certain news. They said, and said doesn't give us attention. Said doesn't give us attention. Because if you know me well, I'm the PhD holder of blue chicken. <laughs> Uh, I have PhD in blue ticks. <laughs> Listen, it's a said doesn't give us attention. It doesn't give us pastor doesn't give us attention. No, I thought I was a brother, so but it doesn't give us attention. It doesn't give us attention. A, we need attention. So when I came back, I said, hey, by this time you should be joining me to be giving people attention. Now I should not come and give you attention. Oh, correct. Okay. Now in the midst of that, I realized that when people are actually working for the Lord, they don't have time for fights. But because Peter and the rest have pitched a camp and they are doing Christian counsel, feeding the widows, no, they are not going anywhere, no winning souls, nothing. They are just there feeding the widows. And the Bible says the widows began to murmur about, about, among themselves in the book of Acts. They were murmuring among themselves. That the when they are serving, you know, it's like, let me put it in today's, like maybe trees and hmm, when they are serving the widows, they serve. The, the, the trees different from the gas and different from the airways. It's tribalism. That's how it is. Anybody here talking like that is not a soul winner. No soul winner has time. Okay, so Peter Dems were not doing it. So God had to raise Paul after 13 years to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Another thing God did too, to make the gospel spread, he caused persecution to, to, to spread among them. There was persecution and they all scattered. And in the midst of the persecution where everybody was scattering, Philip joined himself to the Ethiopian Enoch. You understand? So, God wanted to spread the gospel, but these people were doing Christian counsel. You know, it's one of the things I dislike. Community of pastors. I don't like that thing. They have pastors. And we are always meeting. When pastors meet together to, to talk, carnality. It's shocking that when pastors have met rather that they should be talking about Bible, that is when you now hear things. 
sometimes after talking to some, you know, pastors, you need to go and wash your brains. When they come in front of you, they have a different life. And the Lord, and the Lord, and the Lord, and the Lord. When they meet, Charlie. One day, one day, something happened. The way I rebuked the boy. Our man who said, you <laughs> Think about it. Someone had sold a seed in church. Someone had sold his phone as a seed. Imagine the sacrifice that the person is sowing the phone as a seed. And the person sows the seed. Okay. Now, if you sow your phone as a seed, I cannot carry the phone. I can't use it for anything. I won't throw it to God. We will sell the phone. I'm telling you the truth. I will sell the phone and we will support the work of God. Because it's because you don't have money that you sold the phone. So the phone is representing your money. Good. Now, I give an instruction that they should sell the phone. This dear pastor says, oh, just give it to me. Ha! Someone sacrificed. Why? Because I'm your friend? The way I, I, I rebuke him. So they want to do counsel. Counsel. Sometimes it happens among cell leaders and senior cell leaders. When they meet among themselves, they, no, no, no single scripture comes out. So, usually my relationships are like this. Either I'm talking to someone who is higher than me or people that I am helping. If everybody in your circle is at your level, you have a problem. Still, Jesus is alive. Okay. So, second Peter. Alright, so I said, Jesus, through the scripture, was revealed to us. So before Jesus came on the scene, there was prophecy of scripture. Scripture spoke about the coming of Jesus. So the prophet spoke about Jesus coming. And because the prophet spoke of Jesus coming, that... That was the, 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 uh, the reference that Jesus... So most of the time when Jesus was speaking, he would say that, was it not said by the prophet? He said that it will be fulfilled by what the prophet said. It will be fulfilled what the prophet said. So Jesus was walking. So Jesus said, in the volume of book it is written of me, I come to do thy will, O God. He said, I've come to do thy will, O God. In the volume of book it is written of me. So Jesus was fulfilling scripture that was written concerning him. So that it will be a reference. That will be a reference. Now, in scripture, it is divided mainly into two or three. Go to John chapter 8, verse 17. Quickly, quickly, quickly. John chapter 8, verse 17. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. Okay, so in the law it was written that the testimony of two men is true. So, before we can ascertain that something is true... And should be accepted, two people must testify of it. So in the Old Testament, which speaks prophetically about Jesus, it has two main references. That is the law and the prophets. Sometimes they are the writings, but the writings sometimes are categorized under the prophets. So let's just put in the two. The law and the prophets. The law and the prophets. The law is also meant or, or, or is also understood as Moses. I want to show you a scripture. First Corinthians chapter three. 
Second Corinthians chapter three, verse fifteen. We we'll start from verse fifteen. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse fifteen. Look at this. He said, but even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their hearts. What is he saying? Moses went to the mountain and he came back. When he came back, his face was shining. And the people could not look at his face. So, they gave him a veil to cover his face. So, what is Paul saying? He's saying, till today. Because the people were not spiritual and the people were carnal, they could not receive the glory that came from Moses' face. So he said, to, the, to, to this day, when Moses is read, what's Moses? Moses is the law. He said, to today, when the law is read, he said, a veil is still upon their hearts. You see, when you are into the Christianity of do's and don'ts, there's a veil upon your heart. He said, to today, when Moses is read, he said, a veil is upon their heart. Continue. Verse 16. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Continue. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Okay? Okay? Now, Moses, or the law, is one side of the Old Testament. Then, on another side of the Old Testament is the prophets. What did Jesus say concerning these things? Go to John chapter 5, verse Verse 45. He said, do not think, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, he was rebuking them. He said, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. Talking about the great white throne judgment where God will judge the nations. He said, there is one that accuseth you, even Moses in whom yet, in whom ye trust. Then what is he saying? Verse 46. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. So, everything in the law points to one man, Jesus. Everything in the law, I said the Bible is a picture album, everything points to one man and that's the Christ. Everything. When you study the pages of scripture, you will find Christ everywhere. Bible says, even the rock that Moses struck, he said that rock was Christ. He said that rock followed them. He said, that rock was Christ. Was it a person? No. He's not talking about the, the, the rock being a person or as Christ. But he's talking about that rock was a typology of Christ. The Messiah that was prophesied that will come. The Jesus that was prophesied that will come. There were certain indicators. God loved to show Christ through everything. Even when you go to the, the temple. When you go to the temple, you will see all the artifacts. Everything that God said. Because, Revelation 11. Let me show you something. Verse 19. And the temple of God was open in heaven. Temple in heaven? God has a temple in heaven. <laughs> and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and a great hail. He said, in God's temple, there was an ark. No wonder he told Moses that Moses should do exactly what he's telling him to do. That the ark should be this 
length and this height because there was already one in heaven and God was giving Moses to do the same thing on earth. Let me explain something. In the ark, God told Moses, one of the things he told Moses was that, he said that the ark should be made of sitting wood and should be overlaid with gold. What does that mean? The sitting wood is his humanity. And overlaid with gold is his divinity. That means Christ will come fully God and fully man. So everything was displaying the Christ. Even the sacrifices and the offerings. Everything was displaying the Christ. So everything in the law spoke of the Christ. So when you read through the scriptures, what will make you understand it is when you begin to look at it from the lenses of the Christ. Luke chapter 24. We'll start from verse 11. Look at this story. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulchre, and stooping down, he beheld the lining clothes laid by themselves, and departed wondering in himself at, what, at that which was come to pass. And behold, two of them went, uh, went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together all these things which had happened. Now, who are these? It's called Cleopas and his friend were at Emmaus and they were talking together among themselves what had happened in Jerusalem. That means the death of Jesus was one big news. Like everybody was saying, ah, Jesus has died, Jesus has died. So it was one big news and they were talking among themselves what had happened. So good background. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. Hmm. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another, as ye walk and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. Are you seeing it? In their mind, it is the redemption of Israel they were thinking of. of. So he said, so all the time, now, Cleopas was one of the 70 disciples. He was not part of the 12. He was part of the 70. So Cleopas, all the time they were following Jesus, their mind was that Jesus would come and redeem Israel. Wrong thing. He said, and besides, all this today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which, had, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Hmm. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things? That means the prophet spoke it. Hmm. And to enter into his glory? 
and beginning, Christ now, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in the scriptures things concerning himself. Exactly what I'm doing here now. Expounding the things concerning the Christ in the scriptures. Jesus, now, I told you before, I think it was in the first service I said it. I said one day, think, I mean, I want us to reason together. And let's, we, we, I have an idea for God. I have an idea. Now, we can all write to God. And God should use that idea. Don't you think all this thing of preaching, so winning, it will end if Jesus just appears in every neighborhood? Everybody see it. Don't you think all this thing will end? God is, God is too long. God is doing things too long. What do you think? Do you agree with me? Agree with me? Ah, me. One day I asked God, I said, God, why are you doing long like this? When Jesus came out of the grave, we have wasted the time. Because by this time, we'll not be here. Because when Jesus came out of the grave, he should have walked through the streets. Then they should give him beats. You thought you had killed me. Then, then, then he should have some of his disciples. I can tell you, Peter will not, he will, Peter will not jo- joke with it. You thought you had killed me. <laughs> he should wear dark shades. And he should be shining. Then Thomas should be behind. They should put hip hop music to work. They should, they should bang, 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 bang. Then Thomas. <laughs> Don't you think all the Pharisees will say, we are sorry, we are sorry, you are the Messiah. Don't you think by this time, all this thing will end? So we have an idea, this is my idea, what do you think? Good idea. What do you think is a sharp idea? Very sharp. But look at something. Luke chapter 16. Verse 27. Lazarus and the rich man. Jesus is, is telling them a story. Now, when you read the Bible and you see a certain man, it means it's a true story. When it is a parable or an invented story, he will say, I say unto you a parable in this wise. Anytime you see a certain man, it's a true story. So this was a true story. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. Now, this is the rich man talking to Abraham. He says, send Lazarus to my father's house. Continue. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Verse 29. Abraham said unto him, they have Moses. Now look at Abraham now. He said they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. He says, and he said, nay, Father Abraham, like what we are saying now. Foolish suggestion. But if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Think about it. We all think that's going to work. Okay, look at what Abraham said. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one was ruled from the dead. I see it. God says that everything will have to culminate in the, the, the scripture. In the scripture. Why? Now God told me something. He said, Enoch, if Jesus 
makes the basis of his believing, or people's believing, on his appearance, he will have to appear through all generations. Why did he expand through the scriptures onto Cleopas in Emmaus? Why? So that we can all have equal opportunity of the scriptures. Because Jesus had to use the scriptures to expound things concerning himself. So that we all have equal opportunity to believe Jesus from the scriptures. So when you look at the the law, you will see throughout the law, Jesus is is there. Then throughout the prophets, all the prophets, any prophet who did not prophesy about the Christ, he didn't make it into the Bible. There were other books those days. Any prophet, any prophet who did not reveal the Christ, they don't appear. He said, because no pro- prophecy of scripture is of private interpretation. He said, but holy men spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. As they began to write, Jeremiah spoke of Jesus. Isaiah spoke of Jesus. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon the shoulder. That was prophecy. When you go Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. He talked about the light. The people that sat in darkness have seen a great light. The same happened when Jesus went to preach somewhere. The people said that, oh yes, so that it will be fulfilled by what was said by the prophets. So Jesus was walking in what the prophets had said. But the prophets also said that Christ will be suffer. The prophets said that Christ will suffer who had believed our reports. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 1. He said, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? If you are so that you have never preached from Isaiah 53, you have not preached the gospel yet. Who have believed our reports? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Continue. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as, as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. That means Jesus will not come with a crown on his head the first time he's coming. Jesus will not come looking like the Son of God. He said he had no comeliness. He had nothing that we should desire him to call him the Messiah. He said, he's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone unto his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. And yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Do you understand that scripture? He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. That means Jesus will live only 33 years. Yet throughout his life he will still be living. Through who? Through us. He said, he shall see his seed. Who are his seed? We. He said, and he shall prolong his days. So, although he's no longer on earth here, his days are still prolonged because of you. He said, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. 
He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he had poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Ladies and gentlemen, when you read the story of Jonah, Jonah's uh, uh, life, what happened with Jonah was a prophetic parallelism. You can see exactly what Jonah was saying. Everything Jonah was going through, just as Jesus Christ used it and used it to explain. He said, Jonah, as he was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, he said, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Just like Jonah went to Nineveh to go and preach. When he preached, he said, if they don't receive the message he brought, he said, in 40 days, their city shall be destroyed. Jesus, the same way, spoke to the Pharisees in Jerusalem. He said, if they don't receive the message he brought, he said, the same sign that God gave Jonah in Nineveh, he said, that's the same sign he gave them, 40 days. In the first service, I explained that 40 days, in prophetic um, counting, every day in that 40 days is a year. So it was actually 40 years. Jesus died in 30 AD and Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD. Exactly 40 years. Jesus is who he said he was. Look at John. John chapter 20. Verse 30. He said, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that he might believe that Jesus is the Christ. You see, because there was already a dispute about whether he's the Christ or not. So he said, we wrote these miracles that he might know that Jesus is the Christ. One day I explained to some of you. I said, the miracles of Jesus, the ones that were recorded, were not just recorded. They didn't just sample miracles. They picked the messianic miracles. They were, mis- they were uh, miracles that were only for a Messiah to do. Like for example, the miracle of the, the, the dumb man. The man had a deaf and dumb spirit. Now, in Jewish Kalaba, or, 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 they, they used to have um, uh, a way that they used to cast out devils. So, the rabbis would come together and they'll be casting out the devil. And they would need the name of the devil to cast out the devil. So, you see, you see them asking questions. What is your name? You say, I'm called Kwekumenu. Say, so, come out. Kwekumenu. Come out. Oh, we are 30 over here. Okay. Kwekumenu 1, come out. Kwekumenu 2, come out. Then they'll be using it. To come. Now, so, if the man is dumb, he cannot speak. So, you cannot know the name of the demon to cast out the demon. So, when a man has a deaf and dumb spirit, they only leave it and say that, this one, only God can do it. So when Jesus did it, they came, they came to ask questions. Are you sure? You, remember the story of the man that was born blind? There were other miracles Jesus Christ did. The people didn't even talk. But the man that was born blind, because it's also believed among them that when a man is born blind, it's because of sin and only God can forgive sin. So they cannot heal that person. So only God can forgive the sin. So, they, so only God can heal that person. Now Jesus comes and heals that man. That is also a messianic miracle. And with that messianic miracle, the man comes forward and says that, Hey, I'm healed. They came to ask him, Are you sure? 
Are you sure? Let me tell you something about the Pharisees. Not all of them really wanted to just fight Jesus. They were also waiting for the Messiah. They wanted to be sure that if this is the Messiah, then we are going to be free from the Romans. Is this the Messiah? Then we are going to be free from the Romans. So they were expecting those things from Jesus Christ. And I said in the first service, I said even Judas Iscariot, his real intention was not to kill Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says that he was stealing from Jesus Christ's purse. So why would you kill the man? Why would you steal again? So that was not his real intention. It's because he had followed Jesus for a while and he realized that Jesus was the Messiah. So among all the disciples, he said, okay, if he's the Messiah, then we need to, you know, really be part of the government. You know, one day the, uh, James and John went to take their mother to come and lobby. James and John, they went to take the mother. Because they were expecting a certain kingdom that Jesus Christ would come. Because he said he's the king of the Jews. Okay, king of the Jews there. And then uh, we will be part of the kingdom, no? Then our sons will be there. So the woman came. Jesus said, hey. Jesus said, hey. Have you seen my two sons? James and John. When you set up the kingdom, eh? I want you to put them on right hand and the left. So me, I'll be sitting at the back. Me, I'm their mother. I'll, I'll, just, I'll be part of it. I'll be enjoying. And Jesus Christ will not say, Hey, I'm not done anything. No, I'm not done anything. He says, Can you drink the cup? Then I drink. They were speaking of an earthly kingdom. So all the disciples, so Peter got offended. He said, Why have you gone to take your mother? To come and lobby for you. Don't you know I'm Peter? I'm the right hand man of Jesus. I will sit on the right. Don't do that. Peter, you know, Peter thought that he's the bolet of the disciples. You know that? Every time anything happens, you know, when they came to uh, 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 crucify Jesus, they came to arrest him, he took somebody's ear off. He said, Jesus, I will protect you in this place. Peter could hold a knife and cut somebody's ear. Yet when a small girl asked him, are you part of them? He said, me. <laughs> Nobody is not there again. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> the second time the lady came and asked her, Are you not part? He said, For vanishing. <laughs> you don't know what he's talking. <laughs> Peter said he's not part. He said, this man, I have never seen him in my life. Ah! The lady asked him again. He said, me. Are you not Peter? Me. You know them, man? Do you know me before? <laughs> then the cock crowed. Ah! Peter said, me. So, the Jews... And, and the disciples of Jesus, they had an agenda. They thought Jesus had come to set up something in the earth. How do we know? How do we know? Look at the question they asked Jesus after he came out from the dead. When he was about to leave. How do we know? Go to Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Look at the question they asked Jesus. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? See the question again they're asking. Now, there were three main things that God promised the men, the men of the old. There were three main things that the men, God promised them. So, they were always searching for this thing. They knew this thing was a reality. So, they were always searching for it. Number one was eternal life. Remember, Nicodemus came to ask Jesus, how can I get eternal life? 
Go to John chapter 5, verse 39. They were looking for eternal life. They were looking for eternal life. Now, I've told you before. When we say eternal life, when we're in Sunday school, they told us that that means we'll live forever. No. Every man, good or bad, will still live forever. Just some will be in his body, some will be out of his body. So that's not eternal life. Jesus Christ said, he said, ye search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. Okay? And you will not come to me that you might have life. He says, you, you, when you are searching the scriptures, you think it is, you will find life in the scriptures. I'm talking about the Old Testament. You think you will find life in it. Remember a rich young ruler came to Jesus. He said, what will I do that I will have eternal life? So all of them were searching for eternal life. That's number one. They were searching for eternal life. All of them knew that there was going to be a reality one day called eternal life. And they had spoken about it, so they were expecting that life. Number two, they were expecting righteousness. They were looking for righteousness. Because God had told them that they're going to, uh, 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 their righteousness like a filthy rag. So they knew that they were not righteous, and they were pressing toward righteousness. Now, there was something about the law. So, there was something about the law. It's, it's such a beautiful thing. Let's say the law is 100. If you fulfill 99, and you get one wrong, you are filled all. So somebody can be holding all the law, doing the law, doing the law. January, just doing it, doing it. February, we are on, we are on. June, all correct, all correct, all correct. You do one. September, you make one mistake. Everything, he will have to go for the Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement and go atone for his sin. So nobody was able to follow the law. So they sought for righteousness. Go to Romans chapter 10 verse 3. He said, talking about the Jews. He said, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. He said, these people were looking for the righteousness. They were looking for a certain kind of righteousness. And because they were ignorant of God's righteousness, they were going about establishing their own. And Isaiah said that their own righteousness was like a filthy rag. So they tried. They were looking for righteousness. Number three. They were looking for the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, He said, I send you the promise of the Father. That means the Father promised them Holy Spirit. So they knew that something will happen. Because the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel talked about in Ezekiel chapter 36, he talked about, you know, I will put my spirit within them. He said, I'll put my spirit within them. So they were they were expecting that a certain day will come and they will have that Holy Spirit. That God's Spirit will come and will live with them. So these three things they were expecting. They were expecting and they were waiting and they were waiting. But they didn't know that all these three were fulfilled in Christ. So when you, are, when you receive Jesus, you receive all these three things as a gift. Number one, the gift of eternal life. Oh, are you there? The gift of eternal life. He said, for the wages of sin... Is death. He said, but the gift of God is eternal life. First John chapter 5, verse 11.
And this is the record that God had given to us. He didn't say God will give us one day. God had given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Verse 12. He that hath the son hath life. He that hath not the son hath not life. So when a man receives Jesus, that thing that the old people were, the old testament people were looking for, he said, When a man receives Christ, he hath received life. Someone say, I have eternal life. You see, the, I said the glory of Christianity is not on the cross, it's not on the death. The glory of Christianity is at the resurrection because the resurrection came with a new life. At the cross, we had shame. At the, the, the cross, we had that gory experience where our sin are laid down. But uh, aside your sin be taken from you, there's a great life, there's a higher life. Pastor Chris calls it the higher life in Christ. And that one came with the resurrection. When Jesus rose from the dead, we came, we had eternal life. Number two, we had God's righteousness, Romans chapter 5, verse 17. And that one too became a gift. So in the new covenant, we don't struggle to have righteousness. And I said it is wrong for us to say that oh, uh, uh, we are trying hard to be righteous. We, oh, we are all trying to be righteous. No, it is not accurate for a Christian to talk like that. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. It is not accurate for a Christian to talk like that. It says, for if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gifts of righteousness. Now, look at something. He said, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. Did you notice that in front of abundance, there's no definite article? That means in Christianity, my grace can be more than yours. They which receive abundance of grace. You can have more grace than mine. I can have more grace than yours. Understand? So, when it comes to grace, it varies. Because he said, grace and peace be multiplied to you according to the knowledge. So how much you know of God is the grace you enjoy. So abundance of grace. But in front of gift of righteousness, he puts there, over there. That means this is a definite article. When we say, handkerchief. Bring me an handkerchief. I can go and pick this girl's own. Are you getting it? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Okay. Symphony, bring me an handkerchief. handkerchief it means I have spoken about a certain handkerchief right bring me the handkerchief that should be mine bring me the handkerchief so the gift of righteousness is a specific definite kind of righteousness so for righteousness, I cannot be more righteous than you. You cannot be more righteous than Jesus. Jesus cannot be more righteous than you because it is his righteousness that he gave you. They which receive abundance of grace, different levels of grace. But he says, and of the gifts of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Last week I spoke on this. Let me, let me show you another scripture again. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. For he had made him to be sin. Who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So you see, you will be made the righteousness of God. So the same righteousness that God has is what he imparts into your spirit. Glory to God. So that righteousness that we are looking for has come to you as a gift. The third one, the Holy Spirit. We don't work for the Holy Spirit. 
know some people, I've, I've, I've preached many years, so I've seen things. I went to a certain place to go and preach, and a young man came to me. We were trying to fill him with the Holy Ghost. He said, no, 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 no. I said, why? He said, no, I want to suffer for the thing. I want to suffer. There are different kinds of people in this world. I, I, he said, I want to suffer for it. I want to suffer for it. But he couldn't believe that within minutes, we learned how some people and they started speaking to us. He said, so he wants to suffer for it. But the Bible says that the gift of the Spirit. The Bible says, stir up the gift of God in you. Jesus Christ told the woman, he said, if thou knowest the gift of God, talking about the Holy Ghost, if thou knowest the gift of God, the Holy Spirit is God's gift. So, number one, what they were looking for, what they were struggling for in the Old Testament, they all came to us as gifts through Christ. Christ has made our righteousness. Christ is our eternal life. And Christ is, or, or Christ gave us the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So anyone who comes to Christ because of the resurrection, no, I, I, use, I use this to explain. It's like owing, owing somebody money. Owing somebody money. And you are a debt. He, he paid the debt. He did not owe. I owed the debt. I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. Now I can sing a brand new song. Amazing grace. Jesus, pay the debt that I could never pay. So yes, we were debtors. We were debtors. Jesus Christ came and paid the debt. Now, if he leaves it there, we might owe money again. Because we are debtors. Professional debtors. We will go back to it again. And we will go and owe again. So what did he do? After paying the debt, he didn't just leave it there. What was the next thing he did? He now came. Gave us capital to start a new business. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was God's deposits. Are you listening? It was God's deposit. To live the righteous life. Then to live the life. You see, let me tell you something. Sometimes, sometimes when you are going through something that you are unable to, you know, find your way around it. Trust the power of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost came to help you. Something you are not, you know, most of the time it's because we are not yielding. We are not yielding. We are not yielding. Because the power to come out of anything is with you. Lift your hand toward heaven. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's because of the Holy Ghost that we have confidence. It's because of the Holy Spirit that we have grace. It's because of the Holy Spirit that we know that tomorrow is beautiful. It's because of the Holy Ghost. Yes. His resurrection has brought us life. His resurrection has brought us grace. His resurrection has brought us the gift of God. Yes. Yes. Kalo shadaba yamokaba. Yemraso katakaba. Yoshalabala broskataba yabrasa. Oh, praise the name. Oh, praise the name of the Lord thy God. Oh, praise His name forevermore. For endless days we will sing your praise. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord thy God. Oh, praise the name.
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Kalabaya. The Lord said to me last night while I was praying, He said, Enoch, tell them that I'm coming again. He said, Tell them I'm coming again. This is why we are preaching the gospel. This is why we are preaching the gospel. He said, When I come back, He said, All men shall see me. He said, All eyes shall see me. It will be in the sky. He said, All eyes shall see him. How is that going to be possible? How is that going to be possible? Oh, many years ago, this would have looked like it's impossible. But now, it will be possible. Because when he appears, those who see him will take pictures. They will take videos. 100,000 likes, 200,000 likes. People will see him. And when he comes, when he comes back, he's coming as a king. He's not coming as the one who was crucified. He's not coming the, as, the, as the Messiah in Isaiah 53. He's coming as the king of kings and the Lord of God. He's coming with his saints. Bible said that he will come with his saints. And when he comes, he said, he's going to visit judgment upon the earth. And we are not coming to be judged by him, but we are coming with him to judge the world. Listen, when we get to heaven, when we get to heaven, it will be blissful all the time. Those who think that it is not true. Oh, I wish I told you the experience I had. 8th of August, 2008. An experience I had. I walked out of my body. Anybody who says there's not heaven, I will just comfort my arms. I just look at the person. Kai, 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 kai. But you see, I don't preach my experience. I preach the scriptures. Believe what the scriptures have said. If Jesus could have said that in 40 years, Jerusalem will be destroyed. And it happened after his death. 40 years after his death, Jerusalem was plowed. There was not a single stone left. The temple was destroyed. Now let me show you a mystery. Do you know what? In the olden days, when a king loses his firstborn, he tears his cloth and he tears it from top to bottom. Oh, when Jesus died, the veil was rent from top to bottom. God left evidence. God left evidence that he was the son of God. 
He left evidence that Jesus was the Son of God. This is why we preach the gospel. We are not mad. We are not mad. This is why we preach the gospel. This is why we are unbending in our faith. Because we know that if he could say that he will, he will come and that he will die and that he will resurrect and it happened, then we can trust him that he will come again. The first time he said he will come and he will come to suffer. The second time he said he's coming as a king. Before the second coming of Christ, there will be the rapture of the church. They are not the same. The rapture of the church is when we are going to meet up with the Lord in the sky. At that time, he's not coming. We are just meeting with him in the sky. Bible says, mortality shall put on immortality. Bible says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. We are not mere humans. We are going to take out our mere, our, our real state. We are going to take up our real state and we will make up with the Lord in the sky. And Bible says that we will be in heaven on the earth. It will be seven years. We will be in heaven for seven years at the marriage number of the feast. And there we will be singing songs like this. Forevermore, for endless days, we will sing your praise, O oh Lord, O oh Lord our God. Oh, praise the name, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God in heaven, so praise his name forever. I show you another mystery. When Jesus was entering on Palm Sunday, when he was entering, when he was entering, it has already been prophesied by the prophets that Jesus, or, or he said, God said, one day, God, that's what God said to the prophets. He said, one day, I will go through the eastern gate, and after I go through it, shall be closed forever. When you go to Jerusalem today, the eastern gate is closed. That means God has already passed through. He has already passed. He said one day he will go through the eastern gates. It's the eastern gate. You enter through the eastern gate to get to the outer court. He said one day he, God, will go through the eastern gate. He said, and after he goes through it, it shall be closed forever. Today the eastern gate is closed forever. That means Jesus was God who passed through. Lift your hand and thank the Lord. Every prophecy of scripture confirms too many evidences in the scriptures. Your prayers. Oh praise the name, oh praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh praise His name forever, for endless days, for endless days. We will sing Your oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord. Let me tell you. Let me give you. Let me give you a, a, a gist of what will happen next week Sunday, so that you can prepare yourself. I didn't want to talk, but let me tell you something. It's because of the last days that God has called for that meeting, because He wants to empower His people for the work of the last days. I was with you, and I think Brown, and I was telling you the encounters I had. And I told you, I told you that the things that happened. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Who oh, praise the name of the Lord? 
everyone if you are not born again if you're not born again I want you to lift your right hand I want to lead you to Christ your right hand this is your opportunity lift your right hand and say this prayer after me Oh Lord God, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. Your word says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe in Jesus and what he came to do for me. And I confess with my mouth that he's the Lord of my life. Today, I am born again. I'm a child of God. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.